time, the Ali Podcast is back for our round three edition. Um, a lot of uh, football over the weekend, a lot of uh, good action, and uh, Will will be here for the whole episode, and uh, I'll be joined by Marcel as well. No Alex today, but uh, we will have a Melbourne City fan on the line in just a second. Say hello, boys. Hey guys, how you going? Hey guys, pleasure to uh, to be here for the full show this time. Mm. What did uh, what did the two of you make of the the weekend? Obviously, the Wonder has finally had a, a great game, but other than that, um, it was great to obviously not have any VR controversy or anything like that lingering over us. Yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the round was pretty good. Um, finally, the Wanderers uh, got some got three points on on the on the scoreboard. Oh, sorry, on on the point tally. Um, other than that, I thought it was really good. Um, the league is starting to kick off, um, and we've got some really good players starting to shine as well. So, uh, the talent's showing through. So, yeah, we'll see how we go from there. The only down, I'd, I'd, I'd say, um, as a whole, was maybe the crowds. Um, you know, only only 6,000 in Gosford, 5,000 in Wellington, 9,000 in Perth, um, 11,000 at the grand final rematch. I mean, I, I, as a whole, it was really disappointing. So, you know, maybe more of an effort could be done there, but it's the FFA and their shooting marketing, so what can we expect? Yeah, definitely. I think that's what it comes down to is just how well the league's being marketed. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously not having a game in Sydney um, is going to hurt the attendances, uh, e- even if, you know... And there was no Melbourne Victory home game as well, so I think that did, yeah. um, that does really bring the whole round down. That, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think the so-called bigger... Markets. I uh, didn't have home games this week, so that probably drove attendances down, as you, as you pointed out. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously there was still the one game in Melbourne, but Sydney don't usually average as high as, as a victory or a wondrous would, so it, it probably does. Uh, you probably do need that that one team there that can boost up um, those crowd efforts a bit, but uh, that's that. So we might as well get started with it. And we're going to start the round. Friday night football, Melbourne City hosting Sydney FC in front of, as I just said, 12,000 people. Uh, disappointing performance, to say the least, from Melbourne City. Alfie LaFondra on the board yet again with two goals. Uh, we'll be talking about him in a second. Wonderful performance from Sydney FC. But just on Melbourne City, and uh, we promised to make this our hot topic of the week. Um, and, and Alex, unfortunately, is not here at the moment because he was the one who originally originally got, got me sort of set on this, is, is the potential sacking of, of Warren Joyce um, and certain, um, you know, admissionary things and, and staff uh, issues that may be going on at Melbourne City. But to talk us through it, we've uh, brought on a Melbourne City fan, Joy Harrington. Say hi, Joy. Uh, hey, everyone. Hey, guys. <laughs> it's nice to have your company. Oh, so, nice to be here. Yeah, uh, I know you've got quite the rant lined up um, for your club. And were you, oh, were you there on Friday night? I was, yeah, I was at the game. Yeah, yeah, right. As usual. Uh, do you want me to start with Joyce? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Joyce is very far out of his depth, uh, to say the least. He's he's shown over his, uh, this is his second season, I believe, um, that he doesn't have much... Uh, room to move. He's very set in his tactics. He sort of comes out with one game plan, and once he's been worked out, he's got nowhere to go. We started last season, I think, with four four on the trot. The opening four games started really well, and as soon as uh, the other team sort of worked out how we were playing, he had nothing. He nothing at all. The only reason our season looked anything close to decent was when Daniel Azani came through. Um, I don't know if you you guys got the chance to watch many city games, but. Pretty much any attacks we had were just all through Daniel Azani down the wing. Every time he was creating just about everything for us, and he made Joyce look much better than he is. Yeah, well, I think I think Joyce and uh, you know Alex also said it uh, as well. Joyce has a, a brilliant um, eye for youth, but other than that, his his style <laughs> with uh, with I think this team and you know guys like Bratton um, and McGree who should really be working under a more, you know, flowing system. Just don't have it with, with Joyce. Yeah, but, so and, uh, McGree it's... played in the wing, actually, on Friday. You know, he just mm. didn't he didn't perform there at all. It was not super Yeah, and I, uh, even, against, uh, even, even against the Mariners, I, I sort of said I didn't think much of Riley McGree. I mean, he, at that time, he still had a pretty good game, but it was just, it was weird seeing him sort of out of position. And then in the derby, he didn't he didn't play the full game either. So it's, it's just very odd. Um, I'm not really sure what, what what Joyce is going for, but his um his system really needs to improve because uh, you know it's not that it's not that City have a lack of quality. 
um, I think throughout, they obviously have a very good lineup, and they always will have a good lineup because they they have the money to to do that and the backing um, to really you know provide that that punch. But it's it's embarrassing, really. You know, you, you talk about the fact that Melbourne City just as, as a franchise have have let a lot of people down. They've um, you know they've they've let Melbourne down in the sense that they could be getting a big fan base and they they they, they don't have it. Um, you know, CFG uh, uh, really uh, is their Asian market is with Melbourne City. They they tried to buy into the J League and the K League, but they're sort of more traditional and said no, we don't want this juggernaut coming, and they do own 20% of Yokohama, so they tried to get into the market, and they couldn't, so they said, no, we'll go down to Australia and buy, and buy a club. Now, you'd expect that club to become something bigger than the A-League and provide a real punch, and, and it hasn't. The experiment has failed. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... It, the whole thing is summed up perfectly by the fact that this club should have absolutely pounced on the reigning, you know, premiers, not champions, but premiers, and uh, because obviously they they'd had their their three games in six days, and they had this controversy lingering over them, and and, and all this stuff, and for them to get absolutely thrashed on the night, it's embarrassing. But that just seems to be the theme with Melbourne City. And and Jai, as a Melbourne City fan, does does a lot of that you know does a lot of that play on your mind? Oh, I mean, it... I pretty much agree with just about everything you said on Friday night when the lineup dropped. Uh, me and you know the rest of my um, friends who attend the City games, we were pretty excited because Sydney had a pretty much unchanged lineup and I expected your players like Ninkovic to just not be at their best playing their third game in six days for a lot of their players. Um, we thought, you know, it's a, it's as good a win, really. And that was a shocking performance. I, again, Joyce, like you were saying, not fitting the players into his system. And he's got, he's got his one system that especially Bruno Fonaroli doesn't fit. If, mm. you know, in the City games, it's constantly down, the, a lot of their players down the wings and they're crossing it in. And Bruno Fonaroli, I mean, he's he's good enough on on the ground with his feet, but he's not a, he's not a target man. You can't be whipping balls into his head. It's mm. it's clearly not a suitable game style with the players that we've got. And at the start of this season, the start of last season, uh, the bookies were pretty happy with Melbourne City pre-season. You know, they look like a strong. They always look like a strong team on paper. And then we get going, and Joyce doesn't manage to get the best out of the players. I would argue that uh, City have the strongest side on paper in the, in the whole A-League. But, 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 but when it comes practically, like when they go on the field, just for some reason, they just don't click. Like, they're not hitting those heights that I think everyone's expecting them to. Like, if you're backed by a CFG and you've got players like uh, Caceres and Vitasic and, and what have you, you're expected to do well. Now, my question is, Jai, do you think that Joyce is out of his depth? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So he should be, so he should be sacked. Um, look, he's he's not torn the club apart. As you know, it's it seems harsh to be calling for his head in a way because he hasn't done that badly. But in all honesty, I, I, I don't I think, think when, when it comes down to it, when it, when it comes when it comes down to it, having a player as flamboyant and as and as classful as as, as um, Bruno Fornaroli, and then getting him to play in a, in a traditional English system, yeah, that, that's you know that's that's uh, abusing privilege is is what it is. Oh yeah. yes, he's got everything he could ask for in the league. Any that's... any other manager in the league would dream to have the resources, the players that Joyce has at his disposal, and he does not use them well at all. Hmm. See, I think what what complicates this matter as well is that. Last year, uh, Fonaroli was injured and was replaced by McCormick. And then McCormick fits Joyce's style 100%. And they were doing very well when McCormick was playing for City. Then all of a sudden, he leaves, Fonaroli comes back, and then we had that slump again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's convenient for, for Joyce that McCormick has come in and fit his system. But at the end of the day, the players that he's got to work with are more than good enough you know, the, the squad that City have should be doing better than what Joyce is getting out of them. And even if they don't fit his ideal system, he should be able to play more than one way. He clearly can't. Mm. I was going to say... And yeah, true, that's a good point. I, I think just as a comment about the whole City football group, um, is it a sort of what Melbourne City is going through, we can see what's happening in uh, New York City as well. Uh, New York obviously, you know, making the finals again this year. They did play... Uh, they did play today. They lost 1-0 to Atlanta United. But, again, backed by City Football Group, and they're not trouncing league that they very well could be. 
Um, is it a limitation of the league itself? Or is it um, that City Football Group, you know, they just see it as, well, we've got our little market, but we don't really care about Man City. The rest will just leave on their own. We've made our investment back through Aaron Moy, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and and I guess part B of that is if Joyce were to be sacked, um, who, who could you possibly replace him with? Oh, that... That's a good question. <laughs> CFG uh, have the money to get in a foreigner, right? Yeah. The money have the money to get anyone. That's what you think, yes. actually. The, the money that you're bringing in to, 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 to get from a manager, you're not using like a marquee fund or anything like that for a manager, are you? No, no. No, exactly. So... They could get so Zidane I mean, if, they, if they really wanted to. They could throw buckets of money. Well, well, well yeah, Zidane obviously they're not going to they're not going to bring him down to Melbourne. Of course, right? of course, of course. But well, I don't think the question should be there's no one to replace him because CFG could could get someone to to who's you know skilled enough to win them the Champions League tomorrow. So for me, there's there's plenty of replacements out there. But I actually think that's a really good point, and it's uh, what, as you were saying before with uh, not transferring the league. And in a salary-capped league, that's always, you know, not really a, a fair expectation because they can come in with all the money in the world and it can't affect their squad all that much. Oh, Aside yeah, from, I, obviously, your yes. lucky players and your managers and your staff. But, and that is but, where CFG but, should be dropping the big money. But, but with, the, with the marquee funds, you know, with the, the managers, with, you know, even staff, have they even gone all out with that? Because well, to me, the they have and, and they and they could have been very yeah. good. To be fair, that, that's that's true. The what's it, uh, what's that place called? Bandura or wherever. Yeah, it is? the Bandura facilities are yeah. fantastic. I'd say yeah. pretty much by far best in the league. They're very good. What oh, they've done there easily. They're they're, they're pretty much um, Premier League standard, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just building on that, you know, I was going to say not only you know, yeah, it's a salary cap league, and you can't just go and drop a couple of million dollars on each player to build you know, a twenty million dollar squad. Um, but I don't know if they're playing the whole pathways through City Football Group enough. Like, yeah, they've brought back um, casters and, and players like that with, obviously, the uh, the lure of being able to move up and through the ranks, but I don't think that we're going to see that happen for quite a while. Obviously, Moy, you know, talented, skilled player, but was he kind of a fluke of the system? Or cool. So you literally just took the words right out of my mouth there. Because I think like I think that's a very valid point here. Um, they they obviously have to play that pathway, and with Moy, you know, I, I guess what was he a fluke? Well, I I, th- I think he was like I think just from an outside perspective, like I'm not a Melbourne City fan clearly, but um, he 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 made his name I guess starting with the Wanderers, but had a, you know, it was either him or Ono in the squad at the time, you know, who would you choose? So went to Melbourne City, uh, Melbourne Heart at the time, then Melbourne City, and then moved on from there. I reckon Jai could probably uh, give a bit more information on that. Yeah, I completely agree that Moy having come from the Wanderers isn't really a sign of the city system or the pathway almost at all because it's, they sort of just picked him off and uh, shipped him off then again. Players like, obviously, let's not, Azani let's not forget. Been, he also had European experience, Moy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, St. Mirren for a couple of games. No, he also trained with Bolton, remember? He, he trained at Bolton for like a year. He was he was in their youth system or something. Yeah, he, he's floated around, but I think regardless, yeah. he's not really uh, a good insider to the city pathway because he hasn't really yeah. come through there. That's, that's my point, though. Players like Azani would have been a great, great example. He would have been you know, pretty much the first one. Yeah, you know. So here we go. Uh, He's played. He played zero games for Wanderers, Baltimore Wanderers. Played twenty-one games for Saint Mirren in the Scottish League, yes, and then came yes, back to the Wanderers, but, forty-nine games, and then City but, and the rest is history. My point. My point was what Marcel. What year was that with Bolton? Uh, two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. See, that was when they were still like a big enough club for that to be a big enough deal. So he was he was training with them. Like the fact that he didn't play a game in doesn't. Because Matt Ryan, look at what playing no games for Valencia did to Matt Ryan. That developed him into a Premier League machine. Like there's talk of him going to Man United now. Like it's still it's still a big enough deal. And this was when Bolton were in the Prem. See, it's hard because yeah, yeah, it's players, because the last season in the Premier League. But you've got players that have gone over and trained with them, and then they come back and they're just absolutely shit. So I, I think, yeah. well, I think he is still the quality player, and I think that's the difference. Um, I, I, you know, for example, I could go over and train with Chelsea or Manchester United. I'm still going to be shit. 
Well, I mean, you're um, Bolt the Saudi Arabia, the Saudi, at the, at the, yeah, well, that's true. But um, <laughs> at the at the World Cup, um, the Saudi Arabian national team loaned their players to to train in the La Liga and Premier League for a week, um, and they got thrashed five 0 in their opening game. So, so I think so. Going back to to Melbourne City, and um, I think we should finish up on this. Um, is is it a case of it's going to be a few more years to see these youth players come through, Jai? Oh, definitely. I think they should, I think the next Azani, based off you know what I'm hearing around the club, it shouldn't be all that far off. They Joyce has spoken of a couple of youth players he wants to bring in. Obviously, you got your youth competitions going on early in the season, so it's more towards the middle, latter half of the season that the youth players will come through. But I think there's good signs, regardless of Joyce's ability as a manager as a whole. What he can do with the youth is, I think, there's potential there. There's one player in particular for the Melbourne City uh, youth team. He used to play for the Wanderers youth, uh, Rami Najarin. Um, he is an yeah, absolute weapon. The, that, that's play, that's the next one we should look out for. He played for the um, the Joeys or the Young Socceroos in those Asia qualifiers that were just yeah, over he recently. He's the, yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the one that he, uh, equalised against Vietnam. Not like I can't remember correctly, but he yeah, is no, one no. talent I know, I know that, that everyone should look I, out for. I know that he definitely scored in those tournaments, and people might think, oh, it's Vietnam or it's so-and-so from Southeast Asia. Do not underestimate those countries at all. There's a reason they thrash us when we're qualifying for the Olympics. Like, they, they take youth football really, really seriously. Yeah, but um, I, I, I do get what you're saying. You know, we, we can't underestimate these Southeast Asian countries. Um, that They are very skilled. So, moving on to the actual game. Um, obviously, 3-0. Yeah. Um, what did you make of it, Joe? Oh, I was it was deflating to be in in the stands for that game. You know, we went in expecting expecting a win, really, based you know the amount of games that we played this week already. And as much as they're a great great side, you just you thought their players must be well too tired to put out a good performance. And to go down three nil, that's heavy. I really, you know, we all expected better. The the players gave us nothing. Uh, the crowd was surprisingly good, actually. Obviously, they had their. Uh, Big Mac, not the Big Mac campaign. The uh, they were giving away a lot of free tickets there. Um, <laughs> and let's be honest, there was a lot of free tickets there. Oh, I, even I jumped on and um, claimed my two free family passes. So there was another eight tickets that um, they could have been scanned through, but but didn't because I didn't show up and I don't live in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, do you know? Do you know? Yeah, do you know Logan Smith from New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. Of course, everyone knows Logan. Yeah, well, Logan bought about like sixteen or something. Did <laughs> It was a pretty funny campaign. Yeah, well, for for the standards, like you know, that the crowd at Melbourne City have been getting, and it's always an area everyone... And, like, and like, it's really weird like with him, this is the thing, though, right? Because, like, they get, like, like say, for example, like, like Perth or Adelaide at times, usually average less than them. So for a lot of people to say that, that Melbourne City are, you know... Well, the bar, the, the bar they, like, don't don't get the crowds. They don't get the crowds. Yeah. They they still they still average near up the top. So yeah, you know the Wanderers came in, you know, to rival Sydney FC, and they did really well mm. with their crowds. And City mm. have just not done the same with victory in Melbourne. Mm. Well, the, the the problem is though, and I go, I say this a lot about Melbourne City. Part of their struggles is that they don't have a market. They when exactly. they were introduced, exactly. it was it was yeah. it was Mel- Melbourne Heart. They they wear red and white. And that's all that's different about them. See, that is pathetic. They needed to have maybe a geographical location exactly. of Melbourne. Needed to be, or... There needed to be an, um, an identity. Like, the reason why Western Sydney worked so well against Sydney FC is because there's an ideological difference and there's an actual geographical difference. Like, there is, like, when you say Sydney FC, people will think of the eastern suburbs and probably the northern suburbs of, of, of Sydney. But when people say Western Sydney, they think of, you know, a different mentality, a different ideology. It's basically the antithesis of what Sydney FC is. Whereas Melbourne City, like Jai, uh, you probably could shed more light on this. Is there like an, a point of difference between oh, the two Melbourne clubs? I agree, actually. Uh, with, with the Sydneys, obviously, there's the, the big ge- geographical divide there. And you've got your, you know, if you're in Western Sydney, obviously you're going to associate with the Wanderers and you've got your Eastern Sydney and so on, Sydney FC. And then with Melbourne's, Melbourne Heart and City, it's it's less of a, you know, North Melbourne, South Melbourne or anything like that. And we've got Melbourne and then also some other people from Melbourne. It's There's no geographical difference whatsoever. It's just a red Melbourne team. 
and it doesn't draw in fans like that. It doesn't really give people a reason to support Melbourne City. Um, you so know, basically, it's just Melbourne City. You would say it's just not Melbourne victory. Is that the point of difference? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Can it's I ask Melbourne? You don't support victory. Can I ask Joe? When did you start following the A League, and why did you get behind the heart? Oh, that's a, yeah. I thought that question might come up. <laughs> no, um, I was never uh, back in the days before the heart sort of came in. I'm trying to be honest, guys. I didn't follow the okay, A-League well, fair enough. much at all. You know, my Euro snob days kind of thing. Yep. Um, but you know, I got so then by the time the A-League was sort of in full swing, and I started to look into it, the victory the victory wagon was already up and about. They had huge crowds, and I didn't really want to jump on the back of that. Uh, you know, I had a lot of friends who were already victory members and they'd been there in a couple of years, whatever. And uh, I don't know what it was. The heart just seemed like a reasonable enough cause to jump behind. Um, and then, I mean, it was lucky that we got, we got the investment because it. Re- I think without that investment, the heart was good as would have had a fold. They Even now, the city is struggling right. to provide any sort of identity. Yeah, definitely. It's good that people like you did jump onto the city... Um, onto the City Express, I guess you could say, and um, sort of not feed more into the Melbourne Victory numbers. Um, anyway, I think uh, unless you had any final words to say um, about the game, Jai, it was uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks, guys. It was great to be here. Oh, no, I think we've pretty comprehensively covered the game, and uh, I'm still upset. Quite quite a bad game. I haven't got over that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, so, Jai, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Jai. And we, we hope that perhaps you might come back on the pod and join us again at some mm. other point. Oh, for sure, fellas, for sure. Thank you. All right, moving on now to the Saturday matches, the first of which was the Wellington Phoenix hosting Western Sydney Wanderers over there in New Zealand. Wanderers, of course, winning that game 3-0. Now, Marcel, funnily enough, we're both Western Sydney Wanderers fans. Um, I know how I felt about the game, but what did you make of it? Um I thought it was actually a really good improvement to um, the opening two rounds. Um, Finally, we score. Okay, Uh, we do quite well. Uh, Bob Johan's on the uh, score sheet with that fantastic first goal. Riera with the penalty. Even though it is a penalty, still puts his name on the score sheet. And that fantastic run by by Doherty at the end just kind of put the icing on the cake. Uh, I thought we did quite well. even against the very stubborn uh, Wellington Phoenix side in their first two rounds, which I thought they were going to do probably a lot better, to be honest. Um, but yeah, at the end they just didn't show up on the day on a very, on a very windy on a very windy Saturday. What did you think, Will? Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people were saying that Wellington were going to do a lot better. I saw a lot of people tipping either Wellington to win or maybe like a high-scoring draw. Uh, I don't think too many people did pick us to win, and those that did. I don't believe I saw anyone picking 3 nothing, um, But to me, it, it finally felt like a game that we deserved to win. Because even last year, when we were winning the games, it felt like they weren't... Uh, strong enough. It, yeah, they weren't strong enough. And for a 3-0 win, I think that's really important for the Wanderers. Um, it gets the season on track. Yeah, it's early days, but you know the, the signs are there that the team is building... Um, as, as much as people have been writing us off... I, I, I think we're starting to gel, gel a bit more than normal. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the, the team is finally coming together. And obviously we've made some really good signings, like uh, players like Kamau. Um, you know, Soterio did get a run at the end, much to a lot of people's dismay. Um, but yeah, and I, and I think we'll be getting a lot more runs now that Kamau's, uh, Kamau's injured. Uh, yes, so unfortunately, Wanderers fans, sorry about that, but unless you can get Mahazi to play over in the wing, uh, Sotirio is going to be here to stay for a bit. Well, just just on that note, how good was Kamal for his first start of the season? Um, I thought he did quite well, just in the first 10 minutes, literally setting up Bamiyohan for the goal. I thought he did excellent, excellent, and despite his injury, uh, hopefully he gets uh, he recovers pretty soon, that he should start over Soteria 100, with, without a doubt should start. Definitely. I think he's definitely going to be one of our key players this season. Um, I know everyone's talking about, you know, your Bamiohans, your Rieras, um, I guess your Zieglers when you finally see him, but Kamau I think is going to be our, our dark horse and really get us through the, to get us through the campaign. 
Yeah, I think I um, agree with you 100%. Um, if we can keep him fit and we can keep him firing, that's going to be our key to making the finals towards the end of the season. Now, speaking on the other side of things, Wellington, um, obviously no one likes to lose 3-0 at home. We, we just spoke to Jai about their, their 3-0 defeat to Sydney FC at home. Um, so, I guess, do you, do you think Ken Roods pull the team together after such a deflating result? Um, I think I think he can. It just depends how. Um, like I said, like Stephen Taylor in the back, he is doing very well for them, but he's only one man in, in, in a whole squad. Like, you've got other players around him, just they didn't show up on the day. I think Rudin can like pick up the squad, but it just depends on which Wellington squad shows up. Because there are some days where they, they fire, they do really well, as we saw in the first two rounds. Then you have a game like this where they're just absolutely battered at home. Yeah, they're one of those teams, you know, obviously you've got your Sydneys and your victories that you always expect to to do really well. And then Wellington's just the one that, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Is it something the dressing rooms maybe? Is it the, the cohesion in the team? Something just doesn't seem to gel, but then some weeks it does. You know, obviously they had that shock win to start off um, that, you know, was marred by a bit of controversy to then coming to a 3-0 defeat at home. Well, look, like you, like you said, it is a, it's relatively a brand new squad with a brand new manager. So it will take a lot of time for them to gel and to find out each other's kind of playing styles because this Wellington Phoenix of this season is very different in terms of personnel to the Wellington, season, Wellington Phoenix of last season. So it's going to take a while. Uh, whether they will be there at the end of the season, in the finals, I think only time will tell. But I think it will be a very tall order for Rudin to be there at the end. I think so. Although in saying that, hopefully um, for his sake, being obviously his first pro gig, he does have a pretty good showing and... Um can potentially show a lot of suitors that he is worth taking a gamble on. Because, uh, you know, he, he has made some good signings, and, and they've tried to make a few more, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a long road ahead of the Phoenix. Yeah. Look, the only the only way is up from from here for them, but in saying that, it's how they get there. You know, is there quality up front for them to finish? You know, you've got uh, Jacob Burns, you've got uh, Williams, you've got Mitch Nichols. But it's funny to say that these guys are, you know, like they've been here forever. They've been in the league forever. And really, can you rely on them to lead your, your front third? Well, exactly right. Um, moving into the into the grand final replay uh, Melbourne victory 1-0 over Newcastle Jets up there in Newcastle and by all account a game that Newcastle very much could have won um, just having a quick look at the stats 21 shots to 10 um, but only 4 of their 21 are actually on target yeah that, that, that's a bit disappointing coming from them I I easily would have thought that um, there would be more of a contest between the two like it would be more exciting uh, only ended 1-0, Antonis with the goal. It's his second goal in two weeks. Um, it could have been a lot better, uh, but I think at the end, Melbourne just probably deserved it just a little bit more than the Newcastle, just on the balance of things. Yeah, and, um, and Matt's just sent through a note there. Um, the first 30 minutes, they could have easily had a two-goal buffer as well for, uh, for victory. Sorry, for Newcastle. Yeah, and, and that's true. They, Newcastle could have easily have led um, but just, as you said, 21 shots and only four on target. You know, when your ratio is that high and then you've got um, your shot count that low that are on target, you know, you, you, you only score the goals that you put in the back of the net, you know? So exactly it's, right. it's, 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 it's that simple. Uh, like, I thought Vargas did quite well for the Jets, but, you know, at the end it just wasn't enough. I think Melbourne were just that little bit more hungry. Definitely. For for the win, and they needed it. They they really did for a team as big as Melbourne to be in the position that they are in. I think it doesn't bode well for them to be in such a position. No, so they we, really needed that. We, we did see them last year. They did have that pretty slow start of the season, the first six seven rounds. It it really took them a while to get off the mark. But obviously, their first win, the first points of the season. Um, do, do you think that they're going to build on this and sort of um, go on a bit of an, an unstoppable streak, or is is are they just going to fall back and? Like it was only a one 0 win, so they're not winning by. They didn't. It wasn't a massive 
margin, but do you think they can carry this result into the next couple of weeks? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, with Honda, um, you know, he's involved. He was in, he's been involved in every one of uh, Melbourne Victory's goals so far this campaign. So uh, if they can keep him um, firing, if they keep if they can keep him doing his magic, I think definitely Victory are going to roll with it. Um, it'll be slow for them, um, but um, it'll it'll just take time. But I think they will carry the momentum forward. Do you see them being a, a top six or a top four side this season? Oh yeah, without a doubt, top four without a doubt. It's just a very slow. Historically, they're very slow when they, when they start off the ranks, but they they always get there in the end. They always have, and I don't think that will stop anytime soon. Yeah. There's just too much quality in that squad. Yeah, they always manage to find a way. Um, so so hopefully for Melbourne's sake, they do carry this forwards, and then on the flip side, hoping for the Jets' sake, uh, they see this game as yeah, they had a lot of chances, but at the same time, they did only lose one nil. Um, it, it's funny that I say that because they're two very contradicting statements. Exactly. But, you know, if you're looking at the positives, Melbourne have the talent in the side to to, to trounce a lot of teams. And especially, you know, especially once Toivonen's into the side and he starts to... Exactly, and it. yes, and, and that's the thing, he's still missing. So it's not a 100% uh, Melbourne victory squad. So... When he comes back into the start, when he like definitely he'll be starting, and if he, when he brings in his uh, experience, you know, he's a World Cup player, uh, national team player for Sweden. There's without a doubt they'll be okay. That's why I wouldn't call for panic stations just yet. Yeah, I, I think Coach Musket's going to be uh, he's going to be pretty safe for now. Um, moving through to the final game of the Super Saturday was Perth beating Brisbane two one. Um, obviously. A, pretty big result for Perth and again I th- think that was a game that a lot of people were saying uh, they may have ended in a draw um, you know some <laughs> I guess what's the right way to put it some magic coming out of um, to, to come out of Adam Taggart there um, yeah look I think I think a lot of people are expecting a lot from Adam Taggart because you know back back before like his stint before this one at Brisbane, you know he's a he was a goal machine. He's pretty good, you know, touted as a Socceroos player. But it's look, he has score. This is the thing, but it's not anything spectacular. And Brisbane aren't doing anything spectacular themselves. After the Dad's Army season they had last last season, you know, everyone's expected them to be a bit more revitalised. But I just can't, based on current form, I just can't see that happening. Is that the problem though with Taggart? Everyone just expects so much of him and sort of expects him to carry the team. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, he's, there's just a lot riding on him. Like when you say Brisbane Raw in this current squad, who comes to mind? Adam Taggart. I can't really think of anyone. Maybe Jamie Young with that fantastic triple save that he did, but I really can't think of anyone else that kind of stands out in that in that squad. Which is really funny because you know you've got your Mackays, you've got your Hingets, um, you've got your Papadopoulos, but you're absolutely right. They're not they're not really stepping out and stand, they're not stepping up and standing out. Yeah, there's nothing about them right now, and I like I speak of this like right now that there isn't anything to suggest that they're going to produce, as you said, that magic that 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 everyone's expecting of them. Like they do have great players, don't get me wrong. It's just it's just not working out for them right now, and I. Th- think if they keep at it like this it's not gonna not gonna go well for them because you know if everyone else is starting to pick up points on the park and they keep in this little slew that they're in they won't be there at the end of the season and it's these kinds of results that you need to at least gain points from because at the end you know the difference between six spot and seven spot may be one point two points exactly right and a lot of people have been saying that um the Aloisi um, obviously, apart from from Joyce, is the next manager sort of uh, he's, he's sort of under the microscope of do they keep him? Look, I, I think that if the results keep going this way, and you know you can you can say that Brisbane have been unlucky in some games, but if the results keep speaking as they are now, I think you will probably see Eloise's head roll before Joyce's. Interesting, interesting. Um, on the Perth side of things, what did you make of the red? Look, I thought... Um, how do I explain it? Uh, 
I thought it was terrible. Um, um, uh, I thought that it wasn't good. Uh, Popper, but will have problems finding a replacement for him. I know he is a key player, but um, I don't know. Just it, it was. I think it was a terrible decision to, to have. Um, but yeah, they'll be down next week. Uh, a player, and there's, I think Popper's got a really big task on his hands to find someone. Especially right, and you know they are coming up against an inform Adelaide side. Well, I, I guess you said you could say inform. It's more an inform Goodwin player. Um, <laughs> a good, 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 it's more Goodwin United right now as opposed to Adelaide United. Exactly right. So I think it's going to be a big loss for them. Um, although Perth Glory up into second or equal first, I could say, I guess you could say only down on goal difference, um, a spot they're not used to. Yeah, like, everyone's speaking right now of Sydney FC, you know, they're first in the league, you know, uh, LaFondra scoring, Nick and Vigil linking up with him pretty well, but Perth, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Perth are the, right now, they're the dark horses, and I think a lot of people are, are expecting, are expecting them to do something to challenge, and I think they are, and they're doing it with a very quiet swagger at the same time, you look at Andy Kerr bagging in goals, um, he's doing very well for Perth. But then again, LaFondra is bagging in the goals as well for Sydney, and everyone's singing his praises. But what about Perth? You know, Perth, for the, historically in the past couple of seasons, haven't been doing that well in the A-League, whereas Sydney have. And all of a sudden, Perth have come in, but yet all the attention is still, for some reason, on Sydney FC. And is, is that the Popovich effect? You know, we, we did see at, at Wanderers, he was very quiet, uh, didn't talk to the press a whole lot. Um, sort of try to maintain that under the radar status. Yeah, he's, I, I think it is. I, th- I think it is part of that Popovich effect. He does like to keep his cards close to his chest. So, and I think that's part of the um, revolution, I guess, of of what's happening now at Perth. Uh, I think Popovich, as much as it pains me to say, is doing quite well at Perth. And I think if the team can gel, because remember, there are still a few players to come in that aren't in, that haven't played yet. Like, you've got Spiranovic, who's still yet to play for Perth. You know, um, you know, they do have a lot of potential ahead of them. Yeah, it's going to be quite scary as the campaign does go on as to how, how much Perth can terrorise the other sides. Um, now, here's a question for you. Do you think that under Popovich, Perth will be there at the end? I, I do think so. I think, you know... Look, at the end of at the end of his tenure, um, I was calling for Popper's head, but in saying that, it was only because I felt the team had become stale under him. So obviously, with a brand new team, brand new setup, um, and having that sort of creative license, I think that's where he flourishes. Yeah, true, true, and you, and you can tell like like I like like you, I was going for Popper's head towards the end. You know, he had done well for us. Just there needed to be a change, and I think the change was best for both clubs, uh, best of both parties, sorry, I should say, even though we're still probably reeling on the effect of just the way that he left. Yep. You know, I still don't think that was the most um, charismatic thing to do from him, but I think uh, the both sides of the arguments will say that um, both sides are going to grow from the experience, I guess. For sure. Uh, moving into our Sunday game, and Central Coast Mariners going down 3-0 at home. It was a game of 3 nils. 3 3 nil results. Um, I'd love to look at the stats as to when the last round that was. Um, he, especially three, uh, three away, three nils. But, um, yeah, that's that's interesting to, to note as well. Uh, I think maybe we should go back and uh, and search the record books for that one. But obviously, the talking point of it's not even of the round, but more of the week is is Craig Goodwin. Um, quite simply, is he too good for the league? Look, I personally think he is. I think, based on current form, he's the best player in the league right now. Um, four goals in two games this week, so two in the FA Cup final and two in this game. Um, I think he could even have a hat-trick, if I if I recall properly. Um, he's just way too good for this league. Um, I probably echo uh, Matt's statements that he'll probably be gone in uh, January, in the transfer window, or even at season's end. He's just on fire right now, and he is the reason why Adelaide are just doing things quietly. Like as I said, with Perth, they're flying under the radar. But what about Adelaide? They're doing very well right now. Yeah, exactly right. Up into third place, one win, two draws, um, and obviously a a big win against a Central Coast side that 
coming to the season did look fairly good on paper. Obviously, they had that that or that pre-season exposure, um, courtesy of of the Bolt Squad. Um, but you know, by by all accounts, at Central Coast, I don't see them as being a, a bad side. They have stepped up from previous years. They're not a bad side on paper, but as we've said before, it's a very much a very brand new squad. I think Mike Mulvey is doing quite well with what he's doing, but then he needs more time to click. Um, I heard this uh, someone say about the Central Coast uh, over the weekend, two sunny days don't make a summer. So even though they've done well, they need to keep that consistency up. And the um, inconsistencies, if you want to call it that, were exposed by Adelaide on Sunday. Like, Adelaide could have at least gone up 4-0, 5-0. It's just uh, amazing. Like, I still find it amazing they didn't lose higher than what they what they did. Oh, exactly right. And it's funny, like, you know, Ken Mulvey sort out his defensive woes, and we say that, but we look at, you know, they've got Golek and Klisby who played, who both played under Popovich, who is, I guess, regarded as one of the uh, best defensive managers in the A-League um, you know and Golik obviously winning the Champions League under Popper um, where where does where does Mulvey begin? Look I think he starts he needs to start from the back um, up front he doesn't have any issues I reckon even though they were goalless um, I think the combination of Orr and McCormick it will work quite well for them there is pace and there is attack up front even with Connor Payne there is a lot of quality up front, but it's their defensive issues, and it's always been a defensive issue for Central Coast Mariners. Um, there are games where you think that, wow, they're going to run with it, and they're going to win, and they're going to win big, or we see what we saw on Sunday where, you know what, they're just going to get absolutely spanked. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I'm actually struggling to think of, uh, I guess, games where they've had big scoreline wins, because it seems like when they win, they don't win big. That'll win pretty. They win, but it's not a pretty win. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so, obviously, Mariners, you know, I think it's going to be a tough season for them. As, as much as everyone likes to say that they're going, that teams go through a rebuilding phase, I think there's only so many, uh, so many times you can use that excuse and so many rebuilding years that you can have before you look, just start to... It's not, look, I wouldn't call it a rebuilding, I think it's growing pains for them. Growing because th- th- they are, they are... I think statistically the smallest club in the league, population base as well, and even like on terms of finances and stuff. So they are doing quite well for what they are. But I think there is this uh, punching above their weight scenario for them. They want to do well, and I think their successes that they had, you know, winning the grand final against um, us a couple of years ago, you know, it kind of put that spike in them and now all of a sudden they're trying to relive those or try to attain those previous glories which they should have which they should like 100% but I think they just don't have the manpower and the quality to do so to reach those heights again at least for a while yeah I think it's going to be a few more years and again like Melbourne City a very strong track record of developing players which seems to be their uh, sort of their, their main output over the last few years as well yeah, and that's exactly true. Like some of their youth players, like Matt Ryan's come from the Central Coast, and that's probably the one of the and uh, and Mele Yedinek, even though he's not a youth player for them, um, he's come through the Central Coast and they do quite well. But for some reason, um, they just can't not that they can't hold on to them. They just can't maintain that level of excellence that they once had. So it will take a few years for them to kind of refine that uh, glory that they once had. Yeah, some, some interesting times ahead, and they've got Melbourne Victory next week down in Melbourne, so um, I think it's going to stay... Tough game, tough game, tough game ahead tough. for them. And, and speaking of, just to sort of close it out, I've got two more points here. Um, obviously, Brisbane Raw, Central Coast, and Newcastle Jets. Uh, the only three clubs so far without a win. Uh, Central Coast, we just mentioned, down in Victory. Uh, Newcastle hosts Sydney FC on Saturday night. And... Um, and... Wanderers take on Brisbane uh, Brisbane Raw That's in right. Mudgee out of all places. Yeah, very strange to. Uh, I understand it's the community round, but um, it is the community round. Um, but I have a point to make. Okay, now Mudgee from Western Sydney is a considerable difference time difference away. It's about a three to four hour drive away. Yep. Now, 
if you want to make a community game, Western Sydney Wanderers haven't had a home game yet this season. We only get, our next home game is Friday, November twenty-three. Surely, the people who thought about this idea, yes, they want to expand the league into different markets, but who are they expanding it to? The Western Sydney fans in Mudgee. Are there any <laughs> Western Sydney fans in Mudgee? Surely they could have put this game at Penrith Stadium, at Campbelltown Stadium. Oh, and the city, you know, you places put... within the local area in the catchment of Western Sydney. Exactly right. And if you, when, like, when you look at where Mudgee is, surely they'd have closer ties to, say, uh, Newcastle or, or possibly exactly. the Central Coast. And, and touching on the whole Campbelltown thing, we have taken community games to Campbelltown Stadium before. And I guess in a time when there's the, uh, I guess you might call it a threat of this Southwest McCarthy United side possibly entering the league in the next season or two. Um, exactly. Is it, is it a missed opportunity by the Wanderers to really see the fan base there? I totally think that is a missed opportunity from the Western Sydney uh, corporates to bring the game to Campbelltown now because Southwest Sydney, for one reason or another, are in the final six for the A League expansion. Now, if you want to solidify your place in um, a, basically a very fickle market of, of, of Sydney, you want to bring your attention there. So I really think that whoever made these decisions to bring the game to Mudgee instead of an area that's literally begging for football, you know, it is a golden opportunity missed. Yeah, it's um, oh, it, it's definitely a baffling one, you know. Um even I would prefer to pay a bit extra on my membership and just get another home game because really it's quite frustrating to go it is frustrating because what is it uh, match day 5 yeah 23rd of November so to wait that long for an actual home game yeah we had the okay. derby in round 2 but a lot of our a lot of our supporters didn't rock up to that for for one reason or another but to wait you know over well, it's, it's almost 6 weeks because we've got the international break coming up as well exactly so that's a, it's a week gone and Western Sydney fans are begging for, are crying out for, for for football. And to have a game move to Mudgee, like, no disrespect to the Mudgee football community, but surely Western Sydney Wanderers have more ties to the Western Sydney community as opposed to a regional area where, yeah, they may want to expand their brand into, but still, you know, from Spotless Stadium to Campbelltown Stadium, it's only about 40, 50 minutes, whereas from from Spotless Stadium to Mudgee, it's three hour. It's almost it's a three hour drive. You know, I don't know of any Western Sydney fans that are going to Mudgee. Do you? Like, I actually don't know. Um, yeah, I, I know a few, and I did have an offer to go up, but for for personal reasons, I can't attend it. Um, but it's I'm baffled, and I guess one thing that's just sort of come to me would have made more sense to to play the game down in Wollongong, perhaps. Yeah, even even if they took it somewhere in the Sydney area. You know, like with, 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 within the Sydney area. But from Wollongong to Sydney is only an hour, hour and, hour and a half max tops, yeah. depending on traffic. You know, from Sydney to Mudgee, it's a very different kettle of fish. Very baffling decision indeed. Um, and just to finish up, uh, just uh, Matt wanted us to talk about the Johnny Warren sim- Simulator. Rather, it is a combination of the Daily Football Show Player of the Year and the Fox Sports Chris Tobin points. Um, so according to him, um, Bamiohan is coming first in that, Goodwin is second, and Ninkovic is in third. So what, what's your take on that? Do you, do you see that as an accurate representation so far? Um, I, I would probably put Goodwin first, and then Bamiohan second. In that's the only thing I would change so far. Because I think Goodwin has had more of an impact. Don't get me wrong, they've all had great impacts on their teams, but I think just on the way that the season has unfolded so far, uh, Goodwin has had more of an impact than, say, Bamiohan has for the Wanderers. I think so. I think the only difference is Bamiohan has kind of stood out in a in a lesser side, whereas exactly. Adelaide so it's going better. Exactly. I think the unit of Western Sydney is just a bit underperforming as opposed to the units of Adelaide United. So at that point, that's why I would say that Goodwin is just a little bit more. But like I said before, I think um, Bamiohan is the sneaky to, 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 to take it out. I think so too. I mean, it will surprise me if those three aren't within sort of the top 10 
couple of seasons, and obviously the only one I can see maybe dropping out would be Goodwin if he does go back overseas in January. Um, in fact, I'd be quite surprised if Adelaide don't look at selling him because if he keeps up the form he's in, they are going to make bank on him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it, it comes: do you chase you, the title, you might as well or cash you, in. Yeah, or, or, or do you cash in on him and um, and pop and pocket what could be perhaps a couple of million dollars, depending on how well he's going. Well, look, it depends where they are and what their plans are. Like, if Adelaide are doing well, do you destroy the momentum, you know, the, a key player in your side to make some bank, or do you keep him, sell him for less, and hopefully take out, you know, the league or the grand final, or even qualify for an ACL spot? It's going to be a very tough choice come season's end, and I do not envy who has to make that call. Yeah, me either. Uh, anyway, thanks for sticking around in what's been a... Uh, technologically challenging episode. No, my pleasure. Um, un- unfortunately, Matt dropping out with a few issues there. Um, but it's it's been an absolute blast, and it's been pretty... I've really enjoyed having a chance to sort of really talk throughout the whole episode instead of just sitting there listening as producer. Um, so hopefully I might get a chance again next week to continue talking, but... Um, Hopefully by then we've got Matt and Alex back as well, and I don't have to. <laughs> awesome, and just before we go, I'd just like to thank Jai for coming on, uh, for talking about Melbourne City, and we hope to hear from him in the future. Most definitely, thank you very much for that. And look, if there is anyone out there that um, that would like to perhaps have a guest appearance, uh, we will put out a call for that, or by all means, message the page as well, or message one of the uh, or message one of our hosts. Um, and we've got a few other things that we're thinking of potentially implementing over the next couple of weeks Um, so definitely stay tuned for that so I think with that uh, we'll probably say goodbye to everyone definitely thank you for tuning in and listening to us and we'll speak to you again next week bye